0: Hey, I'm Bruce Weinstein, and this is the podcast Cooking with Bruce and Mark. And I'm Mark
1: Scarborough, and welcome to our kitchen. This is the fourth season of our podcast, and as you may know, we're doing all kinds of different things in this season. We are actually cooking recipes again in the kitchen. We have all sorts of recipes already up. You can find these recipes, by the way, on our website, bruceandmark.com. There's a blog of these podcasts episodes, including the recipes on these podcast episodes and links to the authors' books who appear in the interview sections occasionally on this podcast. And another thing that we are doing is we are doing taste tests, and I wish you could be here in the podcast <laughs> studio with us right now. I'm not going to say what we're doing this week, but I wish you could be here because <laughs> um, the podcast studio has a distinct aroma from what we're tasting, but we'll get to that in a minute. And I hope it doesn't attract vermin. I, well, I, <laughs> I hope our podcast studio is in our house, and I also hope that it doesn't <laughs> attract vermin. But I... Uh, I should tell you that, uh, in, uh, you probably don't know this, but uh, if you listen to my podcast, Walking with Dante, you know it. Um, what, about two weeks ago, I came into the podcast studio and there was a Copperhead snake on the floor of the studio, and I just about freaked out. And that whole episode of Dante is very weird, with my being very giddy and over the top because of this stupid snake. Anyway, um, there's no snakes here, but there is going to be a testing segment, a taste testing segment of this podcast. We're going to give our one-minute cooking tip, and we're going to tell you what's making us happy in food this week. So let's get started.
0: Our one-minute cooking tip of the week. Buy yourself a salad spinner.
1: I, okay, I want to say something. I have had a salad spinner since I first lived on my own in my early 20s. I have Mm. had one my entire Mm. life.
0: I have seen videos on TikTok of old Italian ladies putting wet salad greens in a towel and spinning them around their kitchen. That's great if you want to do that.
1: You mean shaking them over their heads? or
0: Just spinning them so the centrifugal force drives out the wet.
1: You get wet all over your (laughs) kitchens. Disgusting.
0: The best salads are made from totally dried greens, so the dressing can stick to the leaves and the dressing doesn't get diluted by any residual water on the greens. And we're going to have a link to our favorite spinner on the show notes below this episode wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, and
1: let me also say that uh, salad spinner is absolutely crucial if you grow your own herbs for like a pesto, for parsley, mm-hmm. all that stuff mm-hmm. because it's going to be sandy and dirty and gritty even if you buy the stuff at the farm stand. And really, uh, salad spinner is the only way out of that problem. you got to wash your greens and spin them dry. I have, I, again, I want to tell you that it's one of the first I had a salad spinner before I had a microwave. So <laughs> there you go. I've had a salad spinner for a long time, and you should have them too. Before we get to the big taste test, our first taste test on the new cooking with Bruce and Mark, let me just say that it'd be great if you signed up for our newsletter. We have a mm, semi-weekly newsletter. It's sometimes connected to this podcast with recipes from it. It's sometimes completely different from this podcast. You can find a way to sign up for it on our website, bruceandmark.com. It's right on the splash page. I do not capture emails. I do not keep them, and I don't know who you are if you've signed up. just see numbers three mm-hmm. people signed up this week four people signed up this week that kind of thing so i'm uh well i want to keep your privacy sacrosanct so ooh, there's a word for you sacrosanct uh, i want to keep it that way we're back to tante right sacrosanct <laughs> um anyway i want to keep it that way for you so you can always unsubscribe at any given moment but you can subscribe on our website bruceandmark.com okay up next a taste test segment of first ever on the podcast cooking with bruce and mark
0: We are doing a taste test of Parmesan and Parmigiano-Reggiano cheeses. Okay,
1: before we do a taste test, can you explain the difference Mm -hmm. between Parmesan and Parmigiano-Reggiano?
0: In Italy, the only Parmesan cheese you're going to get is Parmigiano-Reggiano. Correct. They don't even know what Parmesan means there. (laughs) They know what Parmigiano (laughs) means.
1: They do because we live in a global culture. It
0: needs to be made in the region of Parma in Italy, and there's only in the hundreds of cheesemakers in Italy that make Parmigiano Reggiano, it has to be made according to very specific rules. It must be aged a minimum of one year, and we're going to taste stuff that goes way beyond that today. And the first thing we're going to taste, the low-end, shelf-stable Parmesan cheese in the shaker. Everyone knows it as the green can. We're both putting pinches of it in our mouth
1: um salty mostly yeah the first thing i get hit with is salt i have to say my initial reaction is cheap pizza restaurant in north america yeah
0: this is the stuff that's in those shaker cans uh-huh. that you put uh-huh. on your pizza and now, it has
1: it has a slightly sharp taste underneath all of that salt but man the initial hit is salt now the ingredients say it's made of cultured part
0: skim milk. Even in Parma, Italy, the Parmigiano is made with part skim milk. It is a lower fat cheese, but it's the next ingredient after that, cellulose. Cellulose is plant material and in a lot of... It's wood fibers. Well, that's it. There's been a lot of testing done of these canned cheeses that contain cellulose and they find that it's wood. Basically, it's wood chips ground up to a powder to... They claim it keeps it from caking, I claim that it makes it more cost-effective.
1: Yeah, there's a, there's a. I mean, I'm, God, so snotty of me, but it's in my mouth right now, and the only thing I can think of is cheap. It feels and smells cheap. My, my father, who passed away two years ago, could not stand Parmesan cheese. He couldn't even be in a restaurant with it. He thought it smelled so gross, and he thought it smelled like. Barf, just well, to be honest with it you. It does a uh, little bit. Um, uh, this, I think, my father didn't know anything. He was not a culinary professional and he didn't have a really refined palate to say the least. He's a, you know, very uh, lower middle class guy who made a big success in business. So, hurry mm-hmm. for him. But he did not have a refined palate, which is okay. But, I think that's because this is what he knew as Parmesan right. cheese. Okay,
0: we're going to go to another little bowl, which is the pre-graded in the store. So, it was in the cheese counter, but it was in a little plastic container. You peel off the top, and it was pre-grated, but it, it must be refrigerated. This is not shelf-stable. And do you know why that is, that it must be refrigerated? Because there's no preservatives added. There were preservatives added in that canned powdered stuff. And
1: I can say... Also, yeah, this pre-grated stuff, if you don't cover it in the fridge, it gets mm-hmm. very desiccated yeah. and dried out.
0: It's a little more mild tasting, actually, than the canned one. And
1: part yeah, of it's lacking the barf edges.
0: Yeah, it, it is. It's okay. Part of the difference in the shelf stable and the refrigerator is also the, ref, the shelf stable one is made from pasteurized milk. Mm. And all of these Italian cheeses are made from unpasteurized milk.
1: I mean, listen, this uh, pre-graded stuff, I'm, I'm rolling around my mouth, it is way less salty than the can. It is. Um, again, it's lacking the barf edges. It's... Um, it's not as acrid, and it's it's mellower. It's, uh, for lack of a better word, milkier. Mm-hmm. It has a definite dairy quality about it. The shelf-stable stuff didn't really have that much of a right. dairy quality
0: about it. No, it just had a very Except, salty... Unless
1: you count, like, soured milk <laughs> as dairy. But
0: Okay, we're going to up our game and leave the U.S. now,
1: and we're going to go to Italy. And get some true Parmigiano Reggiano. But let me let me say before we move to Italy. Let me just say that this uh, pre-graded stuff, you know, the, like you can find it at almost every grocery store, yeah. and it's the pre-graded Parmesan in the cheese section, and it's not in the can, but it's in a little container in the cheese section. It's a perfectly fine baking cheese. It's not refined in any way, but it's certainly better than the can. Yes, I mean, you it shouldn't is. feel bad about buying this. I think that once we, well, maybe not the first Italian cheese we're going to taste, but after that, everything else. It's almost a waste to bake with. It's like, it's like pouring a, I don't know what, it's like pouring a $50 Barolo into a stew to oh. cook with it. It seems a waste of money. So, okay, so it's the first one.
0: Okay, so Parmigiano-Reggiano, the first of the four, is the one year. This is available it's like this. in almost every supermarket I go to. To be fair, it's expensive. It's about <laughs> $18 a pound. Which is not cheap.
1: Okay, what the difference is here, and I think this might be a little bit of food degrading, because it's pre that stuff, pre stuff, other stuff was pre graded, mm-hmm. and this is this is remarkably sweeter. It has yes. a a sweeter aftertaste. It is less sharp. It is definitely milky. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that the one-year block, and this is the standard block you're going to find, let's say, at Whole Foods. This has a very sweet, lovely taste. This, in fact, would be excellent not only grated on top of, let's say, a pasta dish, but it would be great for dessert with honey.
0: This would be delicious with that, but if you want to save for desserts, it'll be some of the more intense ones. Now, part of the sweetness, I think, also comes from the mild aging, right? Mm-hmm. The sweetness happens over that mm-hmm. year of aging as the cheese starts to convert, the fats mm-hmm. convert, the proteins change. So now we're going to move down the board and we're going to a two-year
1: age. Two-year.
0: Now, the two-year age jumps in price. It went from about 18 a pound to about 27 a pound. And uh, you can sometimes find this two-year even at Whole Foods. I'm, I'm busy cutting up and Oops. we Oops. I just want to say we bought this from AmeliaFoodLove.com. And along with our cheese, and we paid for it, we didn't get it for free, um, came this lovely little cheese knife. Mm.
1: Well, but the first thing I can say is it looks to the eye drier than the one year. Mm-hmm. It looks, for lack of a better word, cakier rather than creamier. Mm-hmm. It is remarkably sweeter. It is,
0: but it also, afterwards, I've swallowed it and I'm getting a little sourness afterwards.
1: Yes. In fact, when I swallowed this cheese, this is fascinating, when I swallowed this Parmesan, now when I breathe in and out, it's much more in my nose. Mm. It is much more present than the Mm one-year age. I will say that the word that did come to mind was balanced. And I do Mm -hmm. think that this is a better balance of flavors. The one year, it felt like the salt, the creaminess, the sweetness, the slightly uh, sour edge— they felt like they were disparate this yeah. one feels like it's more a central whole thing and
0: that's all about time that's what happens when you're aging you know mark is going to cut into this little wedge of three year age now when we say age that means that's before they open the wheel right the wheel sits and ages and oh he just cut me this piece and i'm looking at the color Well, mark tastes it well, i'm going to post a picture in our facebook group so that you could see the color difference of these four cheeses next to each other, how the it, four Italian the four Italian cheeses how it gets a little yellower, a little darker as it ages. Now I'm putting the three. Mm. If you now we have a big block of this, and if you dare to grate this onto pasta, I'll kill you. Okay, this is this for is, eating with wine.
1: I will say, this is. So- Super subtle mm-hmm. the the grassy nuts in this are super subtle. The sweetness is now down in my opinion from the previous one, and it is very herbal. It has a little grassy herbal mowed lawn quality about it, it does. It's beautiful. When I tasted this, the first thing I sat here and thought is, I wish I had a glass of red wine. Because it would be nice to put this uh, to the test with a glass of red wine and just see what they feel like together. Because it it is bold enough it could stand up to red wine.
0: What's really interesting is when you watch videos of Italian cheesemakers tasting these cheeses, Mm. They dip them or put a drop of super-aged, balsamic, syrupy yeah,
1: yeah, vinegar. Yeah, you can see that.
0: And you taste them with the vinegar, and that also helps balance. Now, according to the manufacturer of this cheese, they claim the three-year gets even crumblier, but we're not finding that. We think it's a lot of sweeter, but then again, we have a little sliver on the platter. We're not pulling it off the big block. Now, the fourth Italian cheese we're going to taste is a four-year age. Now, I do want to say that you can go ahead and also buy five-year Six year, seven year okay, so, they even sell up to nine.
1: Okay, so just to say, if we so you said that the one year was about eighteen a pound. And you said that about twenty seven a pound for two years. What's a three year run? It's
0: about thirty five dollars a pound. And what's a fourth year run? Then we jumped. That's almost fifty dollars a pound.
1: The wow. big jump. No wonder we have such a tiny little piece here in front of us, and
0: that's also why we don't have the five, six, seven, eight, nine year because they jump up to upwards of a hundred a pound, and so we have a tiny sliver of the four year. Now this is much golder. It is. It's very gold, and I can actually see crystals in the cheese. You know those little tyrosine crystals, crystals that grow.
1: Yes, I can taste the mm,
0: crunching under my teeth. Mm-hmm. This is crumblier when it I bite is. it. It's drier and crumblier. It is. It doesn't get that melty smoothness of the three year had.
1: This is got these little crystals, as Bruce says. It's a little so it has a slight weird crunchiness to mm, it. It's delicious. Um, it is super balanced, and I would say my overall impression of it is that it is one flavor. Now I can pick out uh, nut notes, mm-hmm. like nuts, nut oils, particularly. I can I can still pick out the grassiness. I get a little bit of sour cream edge, especially after I swallow it a Mm. little bit. I can taste a slight sweetness, not as far as gorgonzola, of course, and that's a blue cheese. But still, just the way gorgonzola has a little bit of a sweet edge to it, I can kind of taste that in it. I'm right. getting
0: some like dried fig. I'm getting some like the beginnings of yeah. some dried what? fruit flavors.
1: Yeah, dried cherries. Mm, yeah. Um, so,
0: what it, I think you're right about a single flavor as opposed to like the two year, which you had these explosions of sweet and savory happening in different parts of your mouth. Here it's Beautiful and
1: soft and all happening sort of at once. Round.
0: Mm-hmm. It's, it's very it's round. A
1: Very round flavor. So if you know, I'm going to do this. And if I had to rate these on a one to ten scale, mm-hmm. I would say that the canned prepackaged stuff I'm going to be really nice and I'm going to give it a one, a one point <laughs> zero out of a ten. Okay, I'm going to give it a one point zero out of ten. The prepackaged stuff, the prepackaged graded Parmesan from North America. Mm, for me, like a two point five. Okay, I'll agree with there.
0: that. I'll, I'll I'll only jump in if I disagree. Okay, with for you. the
1: one year Italian Parmigiano Reggiano. I would probably give that about a five in the overall scheme of what I've tasted here. Like a sure. very, very solid good cheese. I
0: would have always given that an eight until I tasted the others. Correct. <laughs> this is my problem. And the others have
1: put it in a perspective. Yeah. The two-year, again, I'm going to go up around seven and a half, seven point five, 7.5 along in there. Again, it was interesting, but it just pales in comparison to the three and the four-year, which I'm going to put up in the 9.0, 9.2, 9.3. Which did you like better, the three or 4 times? I think that I actually like the three-year the best. I did,
0: too. I like the three-year the best because it was just so beautifully
1: balanced. I like the flavor profile think, of the three better. And I think we should confess in this taste test, I am a person who likes giant flavors. So I like chili crisp. I like anchovies. Mm-hmm. I like very strong fish flavors. I, I like big flavors. I like big bourbon that has a little edge to it when bar- bourbons get super aged i actually don't like them anymore because i like a little rough edge around things so that's just my palate and, and how my taste and for me the four year was a little bit starting to be like a really old aged bourbon it was starting to get round mm-hmm. and i just like a few spots <laughs> i want a coronavirus round where <laughs> it's got spikes coming <laughs> off of it
0: and i like the three year too but i liked it for different reasons I think, actually, I love the four-year for the crumbliness, and the I love the texture, and I love the little crystals in it. They were wonderful. I'm not like Mark. I don't like stinky fishes. I'll take a trout over a mackerel any day. No, not me. I'll take a white burgundy. A white burgundy reminds me of this four-year-aged Parmigiano-Reggiano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, oh. so
1: is a gorgeous thing.
0: I mean, we only have a little sliver of it left, but maybe I'm going to dig through the wine cellar and see if we have a good wine <laughs> Burgundy well, for tonight. I can assure to eat with you, we that. don't. Oh, that's too bad. So uh, I
1: assure you, we don't have any wine <laughs> now, that fine.
0: Perhaps, perhaps in a future episode, we will come back to this and taste the five-year, six-year, seven-year. Um, the place I ordered cheese from in Italy, the Amelia Food Love. They actually have a hundred month aged, which is like nine plus years. And it, was almost brown looking in the photo and I was like ew I don't know that so I want to so if you want that. to find this
1: website just check down on the show notes yep. to this podcast episode or if you're on our website where this podcast lives on the blog page for this podcast there will be a link to this site um, and Bruce is going to take a picture of the cheeses I'll post those also on our website as well as the Facebook group Cooking with Bruce and Mark so that you can see these four cheeses and what they look like and you if you want to do your own taste test we'd love you to do that and we don't get kickback we're Mm -hmm. not sponsored by these people we have no financial connection to them except paying them (laughs) <laughs> yeah, except they took our credit card, um, except paying them. And so uh, if you want to taste some of these and then post your results on Facebook in the group cooking Bruce and Mark, we would love to see that as well. So that's our taste testing notes. Those were – that was a fun little bit. I'm sorry if it seemed as if we were going on and on about these things, but Parmesan is just something – Parmigiano-Reggiano, I Parmigiano-Reggiano. should say. Parmigiano-Reggiano. It's just something that – it, it makes or breaks a lot of dishes, and then there are Parmigiano-Reggianos, which I think a lot of North Americans don't know Which we were trying, which go beyond cooking, and they They just become quote unquote eating cheeses.
0: In Italy, it is known as the king of cheese for a reason.
1: Yeah, for a reason. All right, up next on our podcast, what's making us happy in food this week? Apples.
0: It is apple season. It is <laughs> mid-early October. If and you're listening
1: to this when the podcast actually drops, it's apple season in New England.
0: But the sad thing is, the orchard that we usually go to uh, up in Great Barrington, uh, Massachusetts, lost all of their apples early in the spring. Everything butted out, and we had a freeze. We had an ice dump, and the trees... We had
1: 30 inches of snow. And
0: the trees lost all their apples, and this poor orchard doesn't have a single apple. However, where we live, there is a town nearby that's closer to us. They do have apples. And I'm going apple picking there this weekend because I just... Love. There's nothing like an apple straight no, off the tree. No, I won't no, no, eat no. apples anytime but end of September through end of Apples October. off the
1: tree unfits you for apples the rest of the year.
0: It's like Reggiano, Parmigiano, Reggiano unfits you it for is. the kids. The you know.
1: So I'm going to go back. What's made me happy in food this week is actually not in this week. I'm going to go back to that uh, Rosh Hashanah dinner that we had now several <laughs> weeks ago. And I want to tell you about this baklava that Bruce made. Mm-hmm. He made this delicious baklava that is a pecan. Baklava. It's made with nut oil, no dairy. And not only that, once you make the baklava, he then pours a fennel seed and orange syrup over the top of it. So we've got this fennel orange syrup over the baklava. It is absurdly delicious. It was a recipe in our book, Vegetarian Dinner Parties, which is sadly out of print. But you can still find used copies available Mm -hmm. online and you can still see this gorgeously photographed book that got us into the James Beard Awards, vegetarian dinner parties, and this pecan... Uh, baklava with the orange fennel syrup it's in there and oh let me tell you that he made a giant nine by 13 pan of it we all had a piece at rosh hashanah then the next morning i had a piece for breakfast and then the pan had to go away because (laughs) i was too afraid i was going to eat the rest of that pan i was afraid of my
0: a1c but here's (laughs) let me also say about the book vegetarian dinner parties we have a lot of copies. And if you are interested in a signed copy, you can send us a note via our website, bruceandmark.com, and I can arrange with you to get you a signed copy and how you could pay
1: for it and how I can ship it. Okay, great. So there's how you do it. So thanks for being with us this week. This was an interesting episode, of our first I've ever taste test. I think we have a chocolate cookie taste test coming up. We in the do. Low, Chocolate in the chip cookies. And we're going to do all kinds of chocolate chip cookies. Not homemade. All kinds of store-bought mm-hmm. chocolate chip cookies from all to low end all the way up to the high end. And
0: some of the low ends that used to be high end, but they've kind of fallen.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, (laughs) anyway, that's all coming up. Up beyond this episode are recipes we're making in the kitchen, interviews with people and their books or chefs and their restaurants, Mm -hmm. as well as taste tests. And also, we've got some other surprises ahead. So welcome to our kitchen, as always. And we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Cooking with Bruce and Mark.